Now, here's Grant Bills. You bet. Welcome in to the Wisco Sports Show on this Monday evening. We've got uh, Grant Bills out for the week. It's Hunter filling in this week, and we've got a lot to discuss. Grant is on a vacation, and while he's away, we've got a lot to discuss, including the Milwaukee Brewers, who are struggling mightily as they lose two of three to the Giants over the weekend. We're going to get some positivity, though. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Giannis. He had his MVP rally in Milwaukee this past weekend. Yesterday, in fact, yesterday afternoon, a huge crowd for that in downtown Milwaukee, which is fantastic. So we're going to talk about that as well. Got some sound bites from that. But otherwise, it's the Brewers because that's what everybody's focused on. And that's really what everybody is worried about. Again, this is the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. Thanks for joining me this evening. My name is Hunter. I filled in uh, once before as well. Do other do some other things in the in the building as well over on Z ninety three and WIZM. So happy to fill in this week. Be here today, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So super excited, but not super excited about these Brewers. Man, they are they're struggling right now, and it's really worrisome. If if you know <laughs> you look at what they did last year. All the way to Game 7 of the NLCS. And then you're expecting this year, expectations coming into the year where get back to that point, get back to the World get to the World Series. Get back to the NLCS, get to the World Series. It's kind of that stepladder uh, mentality where you get to one spot and you'll get the, well, get to the next spot the next year. It's possible that those were too lofty of goals to think that this team could get back to where they were and have all the things go right like they did last year. It's possible that that was too lofty of a goal. But then you think back about, well, they got Moustakis back. They signed Grandal, who's been a huge upgrade from Manny Pena, especially hitting and even behind the plate. So you think about those improvements. But then... As I said, actually, in February, when I filled in for Grant on this very show, you look at what this team lost as far as the pitching goes, okay? Because if you look at what the pitching did, the the guys that really performed well, Wade Miley last year is the guy that comes first to mind. They let him go to Houston. I don't know. You come into this year with three young pitchers in your starting rotation one of which has sputtered out of control in Corbin Burns. And we'll get to the news of him coming up in a couple of minutes. Freddie Peralta has been so-so, but he hasn't maintained in the rotation. He hasn't been consistent enough to stay in there. And then you have an all-star, Brandon Woodruff, who's been absolutely fantastic, who really could have been looked at in spring training as this guy has the most potential out of these three. But we saw what we got from Corbin Burns last year. We saw some of the fantastic pitching that Freddie Peralta had last year, going seven, eight innings sometimes with over 10 strikeouts and holding teams to zero, one runs. We, we saw that last year in Freddie Peralta. So we're like, okay, if he can pitch well, if Burns can do what he did last year, but in a starter's role, wouldn't that be awesome? Hey, if Jimmy Nelson comes back and pitches the way he did two years ago. Oh, and Yolise Chassin, he has to come back and pitch 
as well as he did last year as well. Was this too much? Was this too much expect or too high of expectations? Was this something where we as Brewers fans just expected these guys to do what they did last year? Now, on the offensive side, they produce for the most part, except for Aguilar and Shaw. Obviously, Shaw's in the minors right now. Aguilar is turning it around and doing actually really, really well. In those last 30 games, he's batting over 350. And so he's turning it around. Shaw, not so much. He's in the minors. We'll see if he comes back in the near future. But offense really isn't the problem. It's your pitching. And to be honest, it's your bullpen. It's your bullpen. These starters, as much as I as much as you can say, well, Freddie didn't stay in the bullpen or didn't stay in the starting rotation. Burns didn't stay in the starting rotation. As much as you say these kind of things, you have to look at who's given up the most runs. And especially over the last three, two, three weeks here, it's been the bullpen. And so if you're going to look at who you're going to trade for, if you're going to look at prospects that you want to that you want to give up in a trade, if you want to if you're focused on an area that you want the Brewers to make a move in come these next 2 weeks before the trade deadline on July 31st, it has to be the bullpen in my opinion. It has to be. The starter you could get a starter sure. You could you could get another offensive piece um, maybe at the shortstop position, but I still don't like the idea of sitting Arcia more than playing him. I still think he has he has potential. He's having a better year than he did last year. Um, <laughs> they called Saladino up, and we all see we all saw what happened with that. But as far as if you're gonna get a if you're gonna make an acquisition at this trade deadline that can get you you know a big improvement, it's got to be in the bullpen. And obviously, if you're going to get a bullpen piece, they're going to play more. They're going to pitch uh, maybe in shorter stints, but they're going to pitch more frequently day-to-day and maybe have more of an impact, especially when you get to situations where you're up like Saturday night's game and then the bullpen implodes. Or you're down 2-1 yesterday and then tied 2-2 and the bullpen implodes and you end up giving up six runs. That can't happen. Friday night, Josh Hader giving up two home runs. That can't happen. These are not things that happened last year. There, there was a system last year. You had your guys, Hader and Jeffress were all-stars, fantastic. It, there, and Knable in that bullpen as well, once he returned from injury, they had their system and it worked. There was a time where Knable had to go down to the minors. And then he came back up, and he was very, very, very good in the postseason and in the months before the postseason, month or two before. So you got to think about this, and it has to be a bullpen piece. I, I think we're seeing this, you know, now more than ever, especially coming out of this All Star break and and seeing what they did, losing to the Giants two of three, and how they did it in the last since July first. Okay, since July first which is last the last three series against the Reds, the Pirates, and the Giants. That's the last three series since July 1st. The starters have given up 18 runs, and the bullpen has given up 40 runs. Earned runs. That, do, you know, that doesn't even count the runs that are scored on airs. Starters, 18 earned runs. Bullpen, 40 Earn runs, and you're you must say, well, the bullpen probably pitches more. No, the 
The bullpen has pitched 10 and two-thirds less innings than the starters in the last three series, but yet has given up more than double the amount of runs. The bullpen is what is hurting this team. Now, is it the pitchers in the bullpen or is it the coaches? Is Council going to the bullpen too early? Is Council... You know, a lot of people kind of uh, questioned him yesterday. Chasin is at 84 pitches after five innings. His spot is due up second in the inning. He decides to go with a pinch hitter. They're losing. That was his um, That was his rationale was they were losing. So he decides to go the way of Yulis Chasin, or uh, the, the way of a pinch hitter for Yulis Chasin, and Chasin sits down at 84 pitches. Could he have went one morning? Probably and there's no telling what would have happened. He might have blown up. He might have given up three, four runs. But that's one less inning you had to get out of your bullpen. Then maybe you'll use Claudio in the seventh. And then who knows? You get a run or two. Maybe you're maybe you're up one or two. And you could possibly use Hader and win that game. Just one inning there. And maybe you skip Albers, okay, who's been not doing so well. And maybe you skip Burns. I don't know, but maybe you do skip Burns. He might have went to Burns there just because of his, you know, he's been trusted in the past, not necessarily this year, but he's been put in situations like he was yesterday in a tight game because he has shown that he can hold the game or he can save games. He was shown that last year. This year, not so much. Nine earned runs. Nine earned runs. uh, Nine ERA is... (laughs) What am I talking about? Nine is his ERA. But either way, look, they need a reliever, and <laughs> they're going to need it soon, or else or else, it, things are going to get even more ugly for this Milwaukee Brewers team. Now, if you look at you can question counsel, like I was saying. You can question counsel, but if you look at some of these, uh, how much, uh, just looking at these last three series again, because, you know, it, it's good to look at what's been happening lately and the trends that are starting to be set, and maybe you can predict some, you know, what's going to happen in these next couple of series. So, looking at the Cincinnati series, Woodruff won six innings, Chasin won six innings, Anderson went five and two thirds, Hauser went five, but. Hauser had the worst amount of, uh, or the the worst outing of the the, the series. Um, as far as that Pittsburgh series went, that was a little shorter. Anderson only went four innings. Hauser only went four innings, and Davies went five. Now this weekend, Anderson went five on Friday. Davies went six, and Chasin went five. So it's really an average of about five innings. Now, would you like your pitchers to go six? Especially if they've given up two or less runs, are you? Is it possible that we could blame Council a little more for this and taxing the bullpen too much instead of letting his starters go a little more? For instance, Anderson in um, the series against Pittsburgh went four innings, but he only gave up two earned runs. Right? Is he is he pulling it and in that is that taxing the bullpen to a spot where? They're not able to pitch well consistently, and they're just too tired. Now, he gives people his rest. He rotates his guys, but even then, if you're pitching every other day, that's going to add up. That's going to add up. Those innings are going to add up, and people have been saying it for, for a long time. Watching watching what Council has done, and national people have said it. Look, he's going to tax the bullpen too much. And I personally... 
I personally think that I've always really liked Council's style of managing, but I would like to go see these starters go about an average of maybe two, two, three more outs, which is thinking about it in your mind, it's like, okay, that's not going to matter. But over time, it adds up. Two to three more outs means about an inning. An inning more, maybe a person less, because we've seen Claudio come in for really no more than an inning this year. Um, and you've seen Albers come for an inning. Most of the guys that come in are coming in for two to three outs. So you're saving a whole nother person another whole day of rest if you're just letting your starters go two, three more outs. So that's what I'd like. I, I don't need the starters to go to the seventh. I they need to get to the to get to that sixth inning and get a get an out or two. That's what I'd like. Five and two thirds, six innings. That's that's the range I'd like because then you, like I said, you eliminate one one guy and that guy can maybe get another day another day's rest, and then come in that next that following day and pitch instead, and maybe you'll have more success. I don't know. Something needs to change in the bullpen, and it needs to happen soon because this team is falling and they're now two and a half games back in the NL Central, and they are. Uh, two games up, or two games over 500, rather. So, I don't know. I mean, they are 48 and 46. The Dodgers are 62 and 33. So, they're 13 and a half games worse than the number one team in the NL. Is the gap between the Milwaukee Brewers and the LA Dodgers, who are the cream of the crop in the National League right now, the Braves are good. Yeah, the Braves are 20 games over 500. The Cubs are 7 games over 500. The Dodgers are 29 games over 500 and they are the cream of the crop in the NL. Is the gap too big between the Brewers and the Dodgers right now that is it even worth it to give up prospects to get a reliever too? If you can't even make up that ground, if you can't compete with the Dodgers in the postseason, then is it useful to even try to get there via trade? Sure, you can try to trust that your guys are going to perform better and you win more games and get to the postseason. Who knows what happens? But is it worth it to give up some prospects if you can't even close that gap? I want to discuss that next. And feel free to give me a call on the five-star telecom talk and text line or shoot me a text. What do you think? Is Council to blame for this for, for the bullpen rows? Or would you not even... Consider giving up some good prospects before this trade deadline because that gap between you and the Dodgers is just too big, talent talent wise. Um, you know what your the play on the field wise and things like that is it just too big? We'll talk about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm Hunter in for Grant today. Hope you're having a good Monday night. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Hope you're having a good uh, Monday night. I'm Hunter in for Grant this evening. And I'll be in uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday as well this week as he takes a vacation. But uh, talking about the Milwaukee Brewers and wondering what your take is, 608-796-2558. Feel free to shoot me a text or a call. And a question I posed just a minute ago can the Brewers even improve enough to take down the L.A. Dodgers 
and it's <laughs> very pessimistic to think that they can't, right? Uh, coming into the year, you thought, all right, this is the, this team can do it. They have the offense for sure. If the pitching can hold up, this team can get to the World Series. Well, now, are we sure that that can even happen? I mean, we got to reality check here a little bit. Because this team, the Brewers, they played 26 straight games against teams that had losing records as of yesterday. 26 straight games against teams with losing records and they went 9 and 17 in that stretch. 9 and 17. And now come 16 of 19 games against teams with winning records. So if you're going to go 9 and 17 against teams with losing records, how are you going to expect to beat a team like the LA Dodgers in a 7-game series? The Dodgers Pitching has been outstanding this year. Their hitting has been fantastic. This team has a run differential of plus 134. They've outscored their opponents by 134. The Brewers, minus 24. Run differential, minus 24. I mean, it's just night and day with these two teams. The Dodgers home record 37 and 12, Brewers 28 and 20. I mean the Brewers it's not just like they've been terrible on the road. They're 6 games under 500 on the road, but they haven't played the best at home either. They're only 2 games over 500 the Milwaukee Brewers and looking at how this NL is shaping up and how good the Dodgers are and how they retooled and came right back. They didn't start the year all that fantastic. But boy, they have really turned it on, and they are 62 and 33. They're 14 and a half games up in their division. I mean, they're going to win their division by a landslide. And I'm not sure if this team can close the gap, even by getting a couple of relievers. Um, as far as you get a guy who's going to pitch every two, three days. Uh, an inning to two. Maybe maybe you do get a couple more wins. Maybe you do make the postseason if you have, you know, a couple more relievers. Like I said in the last segment about, you know, getting getting more out of your starters. Maybe you start to do that. Maybe you eliminate, you know, one guy each day that has to pitch. Maybe that all starts to come through. The offense comes through and boom, you're in the postseason. Okay, now... Now you have to go face a Dodgers team that is, whether you're, the, say, the wild card, whether you're the, the Dodgers are going to play well. The Dodgers are going to get to the NLCS, and that's the team. And you're going to have to really, you're going to have to go through the Braves to even get to them. Okay? There's a gap between the Braves and the Dodgers. Okay? The Braves have a plus 66 run differential. The Dodgers 134. I mean, there is a gap. There's a serious gap, although it's only four and a half games that separate the Dodgers and the Braves. The Braves know that they have to go and make some really big moves in order to compete with the Dodgers. And you think of how far back of the Braves the Brewers then are. The Brewers are nine games back behind the Braves. And that's another gap. Like, getting a couple of relievers might close that gap a little bit, but then you have another whole gap between the Braves and the Dodgers. And and looking at this, 
I I don't know. I don't know. I was listening to uh, the Bill Michael show today. Radio Joe was uh, in for Bill, as Bill is actually on vacation as well this week. And they had a guy from Atlanta Radio on, and he's like, you know, the way the Braves mentality is right now is they got to close the gap between the Dodgers, between them and the Dodgers. I mean, they have to make a big move to try to close that gap because right now they know that the Dodgers are, are, are the better team, or the fans at least think that. I don't know about the guys in the clubhouse; they're probably confident, but fans at least know that. The GM knows that they they have to make a, they have to make moves in order to compete with the Dodgers. And then you look at a team like the Brewers, <laughs> who are a whole step you know lower than the Braves, nine games worse. Think of how many moves the Brewers would have to make. I mean, thinking about this in a realistic, in a realistic world here. I mean, you're getting good production out of your offense right now, which is good, right? It's not, it's, the offense isn't the issue, and I don't think it will be the issue. I mean, Lorenzo Cain had a tough first half. He's came back. He's done pretty well. He was three for five on Saturday. He was two for five on Sunday. He had an RBI on Sunday. Aguilar, two for five on Saturday, had an RBI. He's coming around. Um, Thames got the start on Sunday, but he was two for four. So you're getting production out of your first base position now. Um, Keston Hira is starting to do better at the second base position. Um, And, of course, Moose at third, uh, an all-star season. Um, Your shortstop a little bit okay, iffy. Braun's been doing well. Obviously, Gamble with the big hit on on. Sunday or on uh, Saturday night, and then Christian Yelich, of course, being Christian Yelich, had his thirty-second home run yesterday. So it's it's not the offense. It's not the offense. It's it's the rest of this team. And can the rest of this team? I mean, think of so you got the offense taken care of, then you got your starters. Can Chasin, who? Is like he was three and nine and not pitching as well as he was last year. Can he turn it around? He's he gave up two earned runs in the Cincinnati series in his start, and then this this series uh, yesterday against the Giants only gave up one earned run. So maybe he's turning around. Davies has been real good. Davies and Woodruff have been fantastic. Can Chasin turn it around? And then you have Hauser, who's kind of that outlier, so to speak, because. Hauser has had some good and some bad. He's going to get the start tonight. I'm really interested to see what he does against the Braves tonight. You can hear that game, 635 pregame on WKTY right here. Um, But I'm interested to see what he does now that he's got a couple starts under his belt. But that's your starting rotation basically right now. And then Chase Anderson's been up and down. He's been even in the bullpen. So you're going to need Anderson to find it consistently. You're going to need Hauser or some other fifth starter to... All of a sudden, you know, pitch not lights out, but close. And then you're going to need your bullpen to just completely revamp. And other than Hader and maybe Jeffress, turn it around. I mean, you look at some of these ERAs in the um, in the bullpen. Hader, 2.40 ERA. Jeffress, Claudio, 4.08. Albers, 4.85. Peralta, 5.20. That's your top five ERA. Claudio, 4.08, number three. 
Your fourth guy is Albers at 4.85, and that has skyrocketed in the last couple of outings. He's trending in the wrong direction, and people on Twitter were, were defending him yesterday. I was saying, oh, be careful. Be careful what you do because Albers is trending in the wrong direction. We saw what he did last year at a 7.34 ERA last year. Be careful. Peralta is then fifth after Albers at 5.20. So all those guys all need to bring those ERAs up. They really, really do. And if you're going to get a guy, say Will Smith. Uh, there's a report today that Will Smith is a trade target of the Milwaukee Brewers. And... He's a trade target. Sources are telling the Athletic, and the two teams are talking and have been scouting, have begun scouting each other for a possible trade. And Will Smith has a 2.17 ERA. That's better than any Brewers bullpen pitcher. 2.17. Any consistent Brewers bullpen pitcher. 2.17 ERA. I mean, that would help. That would help for sure, and especially in a in a save situation in a game where you have the seventh inning. Um, that's maybe wishy-washy who you're going to go to since Burns isn't that guy, and you've got other guys who aren't that guy. <laughs> Jeffress could be your eighth-inning guy, but he's iffy at points. So Will Smith would help. That would really help. But then it goes back to, would getting Will Smith bridge that gap between the Brewers and the Dodgers? And I'm just not sure that it's that it's possible at this point. We'll see. We'll We'll see. But I'm not sure. I'm I'm a little pessimistic today. We'll see. Um, the if you listen to Wisconsin Sports Talk Radio, it's kind of a sky is falling mentality, and I think it's it's valid. I mean, we had these these good expectations coming into the year, and I and we realistically thought I I realistically thought that this team could be, get back to the World Series or get to the World Series, get back to the NLCS, get to the World Series. That's what I thought that this team could do. How they played, though, and seeing how this bullpen is right now, it's a complete mess, and I don't know if they can fix it. I really don't, even with a couple acquisitions. I'm not to the point where I want to be sellers at the deadline, though, because there's some people that have you know said we should be sellers. I'm not to that point. We'll see how this week goes. If you lose five out of your next six, then come talk to me, because then we're in real trouble, because then you have a losing, you have a losing record, and things are ugly. They play the Braves tonight. We're going to preview the series a little bit coming up um, in just about 15 minutes or so. But before that, I want to get to Giannis. He was was honored yesterday in downtown Milwaukee for his MVP trophy that he acquired um, this season. Well-deserved. I thought he totally should have been the MVP, and he was the MVP. We're going to talk about his uh, big celebration yesterday because we have some likable superstars in Wisconsin. That's Giannis Adetokounmpo yesterday at his uh, MVP rally in downtown Milwaukee. Thousands and thousands of people showed up to see Giannis Adetokounmpo speak to the crowd, get interviewed by Jim Paschke, and accept his uh, MVP trophy from uh, Bango. And cool moment because Giannis... It's clear that this guy just loves Milwaukee, and it's really, really, really cool. He is. I. I first of all, I have never, I've never heard a superstar in Wisconsin, or honestly, I. 
I mean, there's there's superstars that have loved their city for sure, but he's one of the top, one of the most vocal about how much he likes the Bucks organization and how much he enjoys being in Milwaukee. He just said it there in the soundbite you just heard. I want to thank, I want to thank God for getting drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, doesn't that just make you smile? Doesn't that put a smile on your face? Whether you're in, um, whether you had a Good work day, bad work day, anything. Maybe you're driving home right now. I hope I just put a smile on your face because Giannis said, thank God I was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks. And that that to me is, that's just fantastic because you have a, you have a guy who just won the MVP award and wants to stay in Milwaukee for the rest of his career. And, and it's true. He really does. Um, so he accepts his MVP award yesterday in downtown Milwaukee, and it got me thinking again, and I've been thinking this for a couple of weeks now, how just how, how fortunate we are in Milwaukee and, and a lot of, or in, in Wisconsin, and a lot of people have said this, um, and it's nothing new that we have Yelich and Giannis and Aaron Rodgers, right? We have just you know three MVPs in the state. Obviously, Rodgers didn't win it last year, but he has won it in the past. Um, and Ryan Braun, too. You can't forget Ryan Braun. We have some likable superstars, um, especially right now. Now, Giannis, I think, is at the top of that list. You, you don't necessarily uh, you hear Yelich talk about how, how good Milwaukee is a couple of times. He's not as outspoken as Giannis is. He wasn't drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers, right? He was he was drafted by uh, the Miami Marlins, so he's not going to have as much, um, you know, he's not going to have as much tie to the organization as you would if you're drafted. Because uh, if you're drafted by the organization, they always have a special spot in your heart, I would guess. I mean, I've been, never been drafted, but I would assume that that's the team that first gave you your chance professionally to do what you love. And I would I would assume that, that you always have a special place in your heart for that team. And when that team is the team that you play for, when you win your, you know, when you win your first MVP, when you have some success... I'm guessing that just makes you want to stay there more, and I think that's what Giannis is looking at. But like I said, Yelich, um, Yelich is just likable. I mean, he's funny. He's he's done um, some some great videos. Uh, the one they just did with Cody Bellinger, um, he's been relatable. I, I it, him and Ryan Braun too. I mean, Ryan Braun had his whole PD scandal. I understand that that was in the in the past. But if you just kind of look at our superstars right now, especially for instance, they're. It's not just about likable either. It's about relatable, right? Giannis is relatable because he talked a ton about his family in his MVP acceptance speech back when he actually you know won won the award on the NBA award show in June. He talked about his family a lot, and that made him uh, relatable. Obviously, first thing he says that was one of the first the the soundbite you just heard. One of the first things that he said in his um, in his in his speech to the crowd on, on, on Sunday was, I want to thank God, you know, religion is a big part of a lot of people's lives. That's relatable. He's down to earth. He understands the fans want to win a championship. He, he said repeatedly, you look, I am not, we're not done, right? I'm not going to be greedy, but we're not done. We have, we have another step and we let's go get, he ended his speech with let's, let's go get the big trophy. Now let's go get that. Okay. Also understands that the fans also want him to get a jump shot <laughs> because there's one time where Jim Paschke asked, um, asked Giannis, he goes, well, look, Giannis, 
what do you have missing from your game? And Giannis says, well, there's a lot missing. And then he asks the crowd, and the crowd starts chanting jump shot. <laughs> so we, he knows, and the, the <laughs> he knows, and the crowd knows. And that just makes him relatable. He, uh, he listens to the media. He knows that. He, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Um, and so that makes him relatable. Now, also this weekend, you had Ryan Brown and Christian Yelich. Um, this is Tom Hodgecourt tweeted this out on, um, on Friday. Well, it would have been actually the day after this happened, so Saturday. Um, he said the Brewers, Ryan Braun and uh, Christian Yelich, just, uh, those two remain in the clubhouse late Friday night to watch the Angels complete the no-hitter in a game dedicated to the memory of Tyler Skaggs, who um, passed away the Angels pitcher. I'm sure you heard of, of that now. Um, and the Angels combined for a no-hitter on that night. Um, and won the game 13 nothing. And um, Braun said, both of us were crying and emotional watching it. One of the coolest moments I've ever seen in sports. That's what a lot of baseball fans have said. That you couldn't help but get emotional watching it. And it was one of the, the coolest things they've ever seen. That's relatable. Braun and Yelich didn't just you know go home, get sleep, and, and come back the next day to, to play baseball. They took a moment. And they sat there and they watched what was they knew was going to be one of the coolest moments they've ever seen, and they experienced that just like us as sports fans. They're they're players, but they're also fans, right? You start as a fan, you start as a fan and a player, and some of some of which go all the way professionally, but you start as a fan, and those roots are still in Ryan Braun and Christian Yelich, which it to me that that shows how relatable they are. So I think we have some very relatable superstars in. And, and in the state of Wisconsin, and likable, relatable, whichever word you want to use, I think both of both words can be really used to, to describe these guys. Um, as far as Giannis goes, um, as far as likable, I mean, he said this about um, about the MVP award. He said, that, you know, this, this MVP award is not just about me. It's about the team. I want to thank my teammates. They did an unbelievable job. They played hard all season long. And, you know, I'm not the MVP. We are the MVP. My teammates are the MVP also. Teammates are the MVP also. I mean, there's 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 guys who, classic, right? They say, look, um, you know, I want to thank my teammates. I couldn't have done this without my teammates. Then they stop there. They don't say... They're the MVP also, right? They, they don't go ahead, and he said this many times, that, you know, we don't win 60 games, I don't win the MVP. He knows how much it matters that those other players help him and how those other players helped him win that MVP, and he acknowledged it right there. I love that saying. And then, of course, the thing that has maybe gotten the most play on social media and things like that, asking everyone to not call him the MVP until he wins it next year. Take a listen. Listen, 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 listen. Please, after this day, don't call me MVP because until until I win it again next year. There you go. Until I win it again next year. And of course the crowd goes, first the crowd's like, no, no, no. We want to call you the MVP. And then he says, until I win it next year. And the crowd goes wild. So uh, we going to look, 
Giannis is going to be in the conversation for the MVP next year. There's absolutely no doubt about it. He's probably going to be the favorite to win it, and uh, we'll see what happens. The NBA is going to be very interesting uh, come next year. But like I said, that right there, you know, he's <laughs> maybe he's you know turning the crowd against him there for a second, but then he's like, look, don't call me the MVP because look, I can go win it next year. I right, I, I can go win it next year, and I can do what I did this year again, and um, and so let's let's wait and see, and let's hold off on the MVP chance again because he just wants to be that helps him stay hungry. He said it just helps him uh, be the competitor that he is. So um, if you are going to Milwaukee Bucks game next year, remember if he's at the free throw line, don't go don't go chanting MVP because Giannis doesn't then is not going to like that. So just remember that. But uh, a couple clips there from Giannis is. Uh, Ceremony yesterday in downtown Milwaukee, fantastic, and uh, we have some really relatable, likable superstars in in the uh, in Wisconsin. Now, Aaron Rodgers is an interesting one. I kind of left him out of that. He's been interesting. He's kind of been he's been likable because he's he's you know he he likes Green Bay for one because he's he's stayed here his whole career. But then he his competitiveness and kind of the smirks and the persona. I think he's been fun to watch. So he's more likable. As far as relatable goes for Aaron Rodgers, I would say that he's a little more bigger than life right now. I, I think that's where Rodgers is, especially his talent level. Giannis is one of the best players in the NBA. Yelich's talent level, he almost became larger. I feel like Yelich, but his persona, her, his kind of his um, demeanor kind of brought himself back down to earth a little bit, but his talent was starting to take him to be larger than life. But Rodgers, I think, is a little larger than life, not only because of his talent, but because of that persona he has, the smirks, the competitiveness, the things he says. Um, I, I think he's he, he's likable, and he's funny, and he, he's he's a great great guy to be a fan of. Um, but I, I think he's kind of bigger than life right now when it goes to that relatable spot. So we are going to take a quick break, come back, and we are going to, uh, final segment, going to preview quick the Braves and the Brewers. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports right here on WKTY, 580 AM, 96.7 FM. My name is Hunter, in for Grant, and um, I'll be in again coming up on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. No Wisco Sports Show tomorrow, but we'll be back on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday talking more Brewers. See if they can get a couple of wins before then. That would be nice. They play the Braves tonight coming up 6.35 first pit, or, uh, pregame, and then 7.10 first pitch. That's what's going on. 7.10 first pitch, 6.35 the pregame and Max Freed is on the mound for the Braves and he this year is 9 and 4 with a 4.29 ERA. Adrian Hauser takes the mound for the Milwaukee Brewers and the Brewers lineup looking like this Kane Yelich, Braun, Grandal, Mustakis, Aguilar, Hira, Arcia and Hauser. So you have your outfielders, Caden Yelich, Braun. You have your catcher, Grandal, in the four spot. Mustakis in the fifth spot. I still think, and I've thought I thought this earlier in the year too. I still think Mustakis and Braun should switch because if you have Braun in the fifth spot, I just think that's a really good place for him. And then Aguilar would be after him. I just think Mustakis, the year he's having and been able to get on base. I think, or you could put Grandal third and Moussakis fourth. I just think Braun in the five hole is, is a lot better. And then you have Aguilar at first base. Um, Keston Hira batting seventh. So you have a good offensive lineup tonight. 
Go get them. And then you have our Orlando Arcia and Adrian Hauser. So that is your starting lineup for the Milwaukee Brewers. Again, coming up tonight, 635 pregame, 710 first pitch. Braves coming in. You just heard it, heard it on the Wisconsin Sports Zone update. The Braves, 57 and 37, second best record in the National League. They are doing really, really well this year. Um, and to be honest, they're the the uh, they are the fifth best team as far as record goes in the majors. So they're they're doing pretty well this year, and we're we're gonna see how the Brewers can do against them. They the Brewers have had an easier schedule. They've had twenty six straight games against teams with losing records, and now it switches to sixteen out of the next nineteen against teams with winning records, and it all starts tonight against the Atlanta Braves. And the Braves are a team we're gonna need to beat in the playoffs. And it goes back to what we said earlier. The is the gap too big between the Brewers and the Braves or Dodgers to even make some moves at the deadline? Is hope lost? We'll see. And and this this will give us, I think, I think this will give us some um, some insight into how good the Brewers could be or how well they could do in the postseason. I think this this series will. So I will talk to you on Wednesday, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Wednesday, I'll talk to you right here. Wisco Sports Show. No Wisco Sports Show tomorrow, but I'll be back on Wednesday. And then I'll be back Thursday and Friday. Talk more Brewers with you. And see if they have gotten a couple wins against these Braves. And um, look ahead a little as well to the uh, next few series they have. So talk to you then. Have a great rest of your Monday night, everybody. And I'll talk to you on Wednesday. (laughs) 